All right, thank you, men, for that. Well, I hope you've got your Bibles open to Ruth chapter 2 this morning. And we'll get into the, the message. And it really is a beautiful day. Um, man, I love living in Queensland. This is winter. And I uh, can't believe I missed that all these years. But glad to be here. We. Um, Hey, good night. We went, went to the footy on Thursday night, watched the, the Broncos slaughter the Roosters, and uh, to the point where uh, immediately my son, Jaden, afterwards changed teams. So um, some of you are like very wise young men, very wise young men, yes. But, um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes in, uh, in the process of life, there's all of the, the changes that happen and and you look at all of it, and really in all of it, it's, it's God's graciousness to us. And, and what grace does in our lives, grace is a, a change agent. It, grace comes in by, by the hand of God and it changes our circumstances. And grace is God's, God's favor upon us even though we don't deserve it. And it's unmerited. And we, you observe the life of Ruth and... She came along and she had a commitment that she made. She was devoted to her mother-in-law, was really by extension a, a, a devotion to, to God and an understanding where, where her answers lie was in the Lord, uh, in the, the uh, Jehovah God. And they come into this time now and we've, we've been going through a little bit through the book of Ruth and following along with the story and we find her in the field of Boaz and, and I began to think about the fact that, you know, the, the grace that God shows in our lives, there's, there's abundant and enough for us, isn't there? We read that in, in the verses that was read this morning, and we look in verse 18, she took up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And so something that, that was obvious in Naomi's point of view as she saw in the life of Ruth, there was something about her that she had taken. And notice, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And, and what we find there in, in all of the things that, all of the gleaning that, that Naomi undertook, uh, it wasn't just enough for her, it was enough for others. And we see that she took of what Suffice her, it was enough for her, but she reserved for Naomi as well. And, and what we observe in the story of Ruth is not only was there enough gleaning for Ruth, there was an overflow of that gleaning into the life of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, and we know that she was going through a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a tough situation. She was, was questioning perhaps even the, just the very nature perhaps of God and all of the loss that she had suffered through her journeying over, sojourning over to Moab, and now they're back in this land of Bethlehem. And uh, we know that Ruth was the one that went to glean, even though really Naomi was the one from that area and probably understood more of how God does things. But she was in a place where perhaps we find ourselves sometimes a little bogged down in the reality of life. And what we find is Ruth goes. And Ruth finds grace, and Ruth finds enough grace for herself. But what we find was there was more reserved 
that flowed into Naomi's life. And really, when we start to read the rest of this, even this chapter, we see a, a slowly a changing in Naomi's disposition as well. And that's how it is. You know, when, when we encounter the grace of God in our lives, you understand it's for by grace that we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. None of us earned it. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then the very next verse is, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's an outflow of, of that grace in our lives that are uh, meant to flow into the lives of others. And I think back to a bit of our family history, and we weren't always a, a family that, that could claim we were a Christian family. There was a, a point there where none of our family were saved, and yet I, I just I remember uh, my, my, grand, my grandmother and my grandfather getting saved, and I remember just the, the, that change in the lives of my parents. And, and I think back at, at the, just the, the, the grace that was shown my grandmother in that she got saved. And then immediately there was, a, there was a, a, an opportunity there for her to then give of what she had received. She, she then spoke to my parents about how they can know that they can be saved, how they can know Jesus as their Savior. And because of that, then she was able to tell me at seven years old the grace of God that I could receive as well. And I think about the outflow of that, and, and I, can't, I can't really, really measure here in this earthly plane. I won't know till eternity how much of an impact that grace that God showed on my grandmother had on the lives of so many others that she knew, but specifically for us as a family. I don't believe that, that, uh, that we would be where we're at if my grandmother hadn't taken the time to receive that. I'm thankful, and she's in heaven now. I'm thankful that, that, that all those years ago, one decision changed so much. And I think, I think about the decision that Ruth undertook about really just being in the field of Boaz and then receiving that grace that we learned about from the kinsman redeemer, all of that that he had given of her, the resources and all of that. And, and there's so many of us this morning, you've got the same grace given you. But I wonder if we, we take all in, all of grace. You know, I think sometimes we can just be satisfied with the with the, the, the gleanings that we get, and yet we, we don't do what we're supposed to do, and we don't take all in all of, God, all of the grace that God has given us. Sometimes we're just satisfied with just the knowledge that we're saved and we're going to heaven, and that's about it. But you, you understand that the grace given us, it's meant to flow into the lives of those around us. If we take in, then we're able to give out. And what we find in the life of Ruth, what was she did something with the grace that was offered her. You know, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, there's a commentary here, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And it's not meant to be that we receive the grace of God in our lives unto salvation and other graces that God gives us in our daily lives and that's it. It's not meant to stay there. It's meant to overflow. Our, our cups, as David said, is supposed to run over. And there's meant to be an overflowing of that grace of God in the lives of others. You know, I think about that parable of the, 
unjust steward who was forgiven of all of his debt. And then when he went about and, and he found others who owed him, he didn't afford the same level of forgiveness and grace to those. And sometimes we can live our Christian lives and we're very happy to just admit that we're saved and we've got it. But then that's it. We keep it to ourselves. We keep it to that level of, of grace and it's grace enough for you. But I'm telling you, God's grace is abundant and there's grace enough for others as well. And we're meant to flow out and we see this in the life really, of, of Ruth coming into Naomi's life. I'm going to observe uh, in a little while as we get into the, the chapter here what, what effect it had in Naomi. But the, the, the first thing I want to tell you is that grace received it can be grace given. You know, all of uh, many of you here, as I look around, I, I know and I've heard your testimony. There was a time in your life where you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. That was grace. God, by His grace, He unmerited and, and, and with, without us meriting it at all, He gave it to us and by faith we accepted it. And what we find here in, in the life of Ruth, notice firstly in verse 18, notice, and she took it up. She took up what was given her. You know, it's got to be received first. And yet what we find when she gleaned, look at verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until even, so she stayed all day. She did all that she could with the thing that she was given. And notice this, and beat out that she had gleaned. You know, that's an important detail there. It, was, it wasn't simply that she just went about and she took off those, those things that had fallen on the ground. And remember a lot from last time we picked up the, in the story, even as she found favor in the sight of Boaz, Boaz instructed all of his uh, his. His men on the field, he said, you know, uh, throw out more purpose. He said, don't, don't tell her, just, just put more out there. And it wasn't simply just the things that fell from, the, from the, the, just the natural process of gathering all of the barley and the wheat and all of that. Those things just came about, but he said, put more. And, you know, that's what God does. He just says, you know, without us even knowing it, without us even owning it, without us even meriting it, he just gives more than we deserve. And he puts it out there and, and we glean from it. Sometimes we look at it and go, you know, this is just unbelievable how, how this has come about and how this has worked out. And, and sometimes we can even take a little bit of the credit ourselves and think, well, we're such good people that we've done this and that. But all of it is just God's grace. And all of it is just God in, in, in all of his goodness, unknown to us, just putting it out there. But you know what, what she had to do? She had to take it up. And she had to glean all of those. And the, the Bible says she gleaned till evening. She went as long as she could. She took it all in. But she didn't just do that. She didn't just put it in a basket and carry it off. You know what she did? She beat it. You know, there were those who would glean in the field and just simply take the husks and take the things that they, and they would come home. And you know what? It would be heavy. It would take a bit more work and labor. And sometimes we treat God's grace a little bit that way. Like it's a responsibility. You know, sometimes I talk to, uh, to different people and they talk about, you know, how now they're saved, there's all these expectations and all of this burden. And I understand there's, there's a great level of responsibility we're supposed to take with the grace that's given us. But, you know, if we don't take it all in, we won't fully understand what grace is all about. Because what you're supposed to do with that gleaning is what Ruth did. She beat it. She, 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 she thought, she... 
she would take a, a big stick and she would, she, would, she would take off all the husks and she would refine it. And what had happened was she could fit more in. You know what, what we do, what we ought to do with the Christian life? We ought, to, we ought to take all of it in. We ought not to just take of the, the little things and, and be surface level Christians. We should, we should dig a little bit deeper and work a little bit at the scriptures and understand a little bit more about the grace of God in our lives and, and start to grow and start to refine what it is to be a Christian. And we're supposed to allow all of that to transpire so that we can fit more in and be a greater blessing to those around us. Because that's what happened with, with Ruth. She beat out, and you know, there's all of those different uh, places that you read in Scripture about the threshing floors. You know, even even uh, Samson, when he was captured, he was taken to the mill to, to just thresh out a little bit. And we see that David went to the threshing floor of Ornan. And what all of that was, it's where they gathered all of the, the harvest. And they wouldn't just keep it that way, they had to refine it. They had to work at it. They had to, to ensure that it was something that could be used and given to uh, everyone else. And, you know, sometimes we, we live the Christian lives and we just go to the bare minimum of it. We just see the, the surface level, the, the sort of right on the, right on the easy stuff that we just gather it and we don't want to work at our Christian life. But in the first place, we wouldn't have it if it wasn't for God. And, you know, we don't treasure what God give, gives us. And sometimes we receive it, but we receive it at a minimum. We receive it just in the surface level, in the, just the easy bits. But we're supposed to work at our Christian life. That's still grace as well. That's still God's grace. And, and when we do that, we're able to then give of what we receive. You know, it's like the Scriptures. You know, it's, it's easy to own a Bible, Right, if you don't own one, we'll give you one. We'll give you a copy of the Word of God. You know, we won't even charge you for it. We'll just buy you one. And if you really want convenience, you can, you can download an app for free. Right, it's not even our app. You can find any app out there. You can have a copy of the Word of God. And you know, sometimes we treat the Word of God like it's a one-day-a-week one day deal. We just bring it out on a Sunday because the easy thing is for us to sit there and listen to someone else who had studied it and then just go about and just sit there. And you know what that is? That's God's grace. It's just gleanings. But you know what we're supposed to do with it? We're supposed to take it home. We're supposed to chew over it. We're supposed to go back to the Scriptures, and, and we're supposed to go through, and, and the Bible tells us that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that need not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, that's not just the pastor's responsibility. Listen, that's our responsibility. We're meant to meditate, and the, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.15, he says to, to, Paul says this to Timothy, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. You know what the difference is with those who receive the grace of God in, in, in the fact that we have the Word of God in our day, and those who live it out and actually do something with it, is simply this, they just meditate, they just work at it. They don't just come on a Sunday. They don't just come when there's, it's convenient. They don't just come when, when it's just easy. Someone else has done the work for them. They feed themselves and they work at it themselves through the week. You know, if you estimate those of you who, even if you come once, on a, once a week and you come every week, that's 52 sermons. 
possibly that you'll learn and you hear. But you imagine if you're in the Word of God and you, we, we cover verses 18 to 23, there's six verses there. And just a couple of verses this morning that were, you imagine if you read one chapter a day and you're meditating and you're studying and you're, how much healthier would you be spiritually if you did that? How much more can you then give of others? And there's those around us that I'll never get in touch with. There's those of you that, that you'll get in touch with with, with with people in your schools and your workplaces that I'll never get to meet probably. And some of them have answers and some of them need a bit of grace of God in their lives, but you won't overflow. You won't take it all in. You won't receive actually. And many times we can just sort of be in the minimum. You know, sometimes we need to get a little bit deeper. You know, as a kid, I, I just was afraid of, of water. And, you know, it took a while for me to be convinced to get to the deep end. You know, I was a kid and I, I, was, I was fearful and I would just sort of, sort of go on the edge of it and I'd fill it with, you know, put my toe in, so to speak. And then I'd bend a little bit and I'd feel and I'd put my hand in there. And eventually someone pushed me in, right? And I was no, there's no option. I was in the deep end. And some of you need to get away from the shallow end of God's grace and get all the way to the deep end. Just get in. And just get in there and just get, get immersed in all that God is and all that God can offer and all that God has given each and every one of us. You know, too many times we're just a little too surface level and we might receive, but we won't overflow. Because see what I'm saying, grace is meant to be shared. Grace is meant to be given to others. And I love that in, in verse 18, and she brought forth and gave to her. You know, there was just something about all that Ruth had received that it was enough to, to, to overflow into Naomi's life. And she brought forth and gave to her. Ruth was able to share what she had gleaned after beating it out, after refining it. She was able to, there what we see, learn is uh, she had a, about an ephah of barley. It was, a, it was more than, than what was expected. And Ruth was able to then share it. And the grace that, that, that profits us that we receive is meant to profit those around us as well. You know, that's why the gospel is so good. Because it's not just for you, it's meant to be for those around you. You understand that your family changes when the gospel changes you. You understand that your marriage changes when, when, when God's grace is taken in. You understand that whole communities have been affected and, and, and whole nations are affected. I read about a story. We were up in Bundaberg uh, a couple of years ago and I forget the, it was a Florence Young. And I read about a story. They, they, were, they owned a, a cane farm over there and they had a, quite a large operations and what they did back then, they, uh, they, they, they had, it was called blackbirding. They would bring in some of the workers from Solomon Islands and they would just have them work in the field. And, you know, all of that, and we can, we can, we can look at the, 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 the negative history of that. We can look at the, possibly the illegalities of that as well. But we were there, we were taking a tour of this, this, this estate and there was this, uh, this story about this young lady. She was a daughter of the, of the estate owner. I believe her name was Florence Young. And what she did, she was a Christian, and she just, she just wanted to do something. And so what she did was she, she taught them how to speak English 
She taught them how to write English and she taught them through the Word of God. You know what happened uh, after a course of time, there were several of those that had been, had been brought in for, those, for, uh, for, for evil means perhaps and they were brought in and they got saved. And then a couple of years later, that was outlawed by the government and so a whole heap of them were sent back to the Solomon Islands. And then 10 years later, they came back and 5,000 of them came back to say thank you to this Florence Young. Why? Because simply the grace that she was given overflowed into their lives. And, and that, that nation was changed for a little while. That nation was changed with those, that, those who really, there, there, was a, there was a dire situation that had happened in their lives. They were taken away, but then they found themselves back and now they had a purpose. And now those few men who had gotten saved in that, in that situation that they found themselves in went back and they changed their communities. They were, they were a community that had a lot of different things, witchcraft and all of that. But God turned that, those villages around. Why? Because grace overflowed. And listen, sometimes we underestimate, we don't go all in a little bit with God and we think that's where it ends. We think there's no cost to that. And yet so many times God could do so much more if we take in all the grace he's offered us. And we take it all in and there's got to be an overflow of that. And, you know, when you glean from God's word, when you receive blessings from the Lord, you share it. You, you understand then that you have a responsibility to beat it out and do all you can with it and refine it so that you could use it to bless others. Grace received can be grace given. But, you know, when we see God's grace upon someone, grace observed, we can observe it. It can also be grace that impacts. We see in verse 18 there that, that she took it up, went into the city. And then notice this, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And verse 19, and her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? It wasn't that this was an unusual thing. And obviously there was an expectation if she was going to go to the field, probably she's going to bring something back. But there was just something more abundant about what she had gleaned. There was just something about Ruth that when she came back, there was more, and we know what it was. She had more than the typical. She had more than those others that glean in other fields. And she, she found, it, uh, found it interesting. She found a bit of curiosity about what had happened, and, and there was an observation of the grace that was given Ruth. And I wonder if, if that's observed in your life. I wonder as we get into, as a church family, we see each other each week. I wonder if we see the transformative grace of God in our lives. I wonder in our attitudes toward one another, in our dealings with one another, if the grace that is so abundant from God is something that flows out and we can observe it in each other's lives. You know, often when we've been touched by grace, there's something that is evident about us. There's a change there's, and something can be perceived as different. And the grace that Ruth received was obvious to her mother-in-law. You know, think about the verses. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. And I was talking to the young adults at, at, at True North Summit about this idea of influence. And, and what it is, is God expects us to be an influence and part of that influence is just really what he's given us. And 
He says in verse 13, You are salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. He says, You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You know, there's just something obvious about food that's been salted. Right? I'm a savory person. I love salty food. And if you ask me, we all grew up. Just our family's weird, all right? But we just salted everything. We salted fruit. Right? You name fruit, we salted watermelons. Can you believe that? That's disgusting. But I love it, all right? Don't judge me. You already have, but I'm just telling you don't. But there's different, but you can tell when something's salted. Right? You, you can't mistake darkness and light. You, light is obvious. You could be on the darkest field, and if there's a little light down the road, you'll see it. You can't mistake it. And the point of it is it's not meant to be hidden. Salt is not meant to be anything else but salty. And what we're saying is in, in grace, you, you, it's something that's observed. I, just this past, uh, past trip to True North Summit, I ran to a couple of those that were part of our church in, 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 at Southland over there. And there was a, a, a couple there that I had worked with just previous to, uh, to us getting here. They were really newly saved, and I remember their testimony. Uh, they were looking for a church, and uh, a friend of this man had, had, gotten, had gotten saved and said, hey, you should find a Baptist church. You should find a Baptist church. They'll tell you what the gospel is. And So they were driving around, and, and what they saw, there was just a group of people outside. They said they, they looked pretty well dressed, but here, here's what got them. They actually looked happy. All right? They actually looked like they wanted to be there. And so they determined the next week that they were going to come and visit. And I remember they, they came in that following week. They sat in the back corner on the left there. And they just sat there and they looked, they looked like they, they, they were new. They didn't really know what to do. You know, we had, we have hymn books. We had hymn books over there. We didn't have screens, all right? And we had hymn books and it was just following the, the if you've ever seen a hymn book, sometimes you don't know how it goes, right? It's meant to go this line and then this line and this line. Sometimes you'll go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and you sing it all out of tune and all out of whack, all right? But they were like that. They, they, they got a pew Bible and they were just, they didn't know where to turn, you could tell. But a couple of weeks later, that man got saved. Then a couple of weeks later, his wife got saved. And I remember sitting in their, in their, um, sitting in their home, we go and visit them, and they were talking about all of the things that they were learning in the Bible they were just so excited about the fact that they had been given a Bible that they can read and they were reading it and they were observing things and they were getting excited about being part of the church and then we left. <laughs> and we sort of lost touch a little bit. But we got back, this is now two years later, and I remember they had a sister, his sister that was cut, would be often there when we were there and really all she did was she would come and look after the kids while we were sitting with them. And I remember she was a little interested in, in the, the scriptures. She was a little interested in what Christianity was about, but not really. I'd gone through the gospel maybe once or twice with her. But I remember I was standing there with this couple. We were just chatting away there at Faith Baptist at, at True North Summit. And I remember looking at his sister. She was walking in, and I knew something was different. There was just a glow. There was just something, a lightness about her, and I knew it. As she walked past, I said to her, you'd gotten saved, hadn't you? 
And she said, I have gotten saved. And literally two weeks before that, she, she called out to God and she had gotten saved. And man, the joy on her face. And man, the excitement of her being there. And, and some of you need to remember how that feels. Some of you need to get back to just the fact that God in all of his goodness and his grace, he, he could have judged us to be, but he looked at you and it was your face and it was your name on his heart as he lay his life down on the cross and you're saved now. And man, some of us need to remember the joy of that and get back to it. There was something observable. And I wonder if there's something observable about you as you've grown, as you've taken in more of God's grace each day. And it, it, what it did for, for Naomi, it prompted some questions. I don't know if you've ever been the, if you, your situation is that you're the only one, maybe you've, you've, you're the only one in your family that's gotten saved. You maybe you're the only Christian. And I wonder if your first time you got on home, there was questions asked. So what happened? Hey, what's, what's different about you? And it prompted some questions. Notice what she asked, where hast thou gleaned today? You know, there was just something she, she understood, Naomi understood that, that, that grace, there was just where and how, how did this happen? The thing that grace produces is some, something, sometimes it causes others to ask a question. I want to remind you, it's worth talking about. What God has done in your life, the, the daily graces of God, so abundant, so free, so amazing as we've spoken and sung about today already. We need to get back to that, just, just that observableness about it. And Naomi couldn't help it, but she asked. There was just something so evident she had to ask. And at times, at times I think we've forgotten just how gracious our God has been. And we don't take it into our day anymore. We come in and just like the unsaved go about and just there's no observable difference. We take in the day without the grace of God that just so freely is given. We go about and the cares of this world and the, all of the things that can sometimes weigh us down, no longer is met with the grace of God when yet we have the grace of God. And what we find is there's a prompting of some questions and I, I, I wonder if people see. I wonder if people observe the grace that is in you. And, but, but you know, there was a recognition that this couldn't have just been Ruth. In verse 19, so, so she sees this, where hast thou gleaned and where wroughtest thou? And notice what she says, blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. You know, she understood this couldn't just have been Ruth. This couldn't just have been you. You know, there's a lot of things in our, in our world that's all about self-help and self-improvement. And it only ever gets so far. And yet, there's just something about someone, and we've got to ask the question, who did this to you? Who, who helped you? There's got to be someone that helped you because you couldn't have done this on your own. And so she, she recognizes, secondly, in her observation that there's got to be an external source. There's got to be someone else that helped you along the way. And, and it could have been that, yeah, you, you know, you could point to the earthly source of that, just like what I spoke about, that couple who had a friend 
They just said, just go to that kind of church because they'll tell you what the gospel is. I hope that, that we can be pointed to as a source of external help. But ultimately, we understand that we, when it can't be explained humanly, it's got to be God and God alone. And for some of you, that is your testimony. You, 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 you know the life that you lived prior to Christ. You, you know how hard and how anti and how angry and, and how, how, how sinful you were. And you understand because to whom much is given, much shall be required. And you understand that, 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 that great forgiveness. And, and sometimes we forget as God's people that, that actually all of us were in that situation. All of our sin was controversial. It was something that you couldn't do yourself. It was something you couldn't solve. You had to come to someone else, and that someone else is Jesus Christ, and, and he took our burden away, and he took our sin away. But, hey, listen, when others see and others see your life, do they recognize there's got to be an external source? It couldn't have been you. But here's what it does. It gives you and I an opportunity to answer. Because in verse 19, it notices, And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And, and so what, what it is, it gave Naomi uh, an opportunity to ask and observe, but it gave Ruth an opportunity to answer the question. And you know, we ought to be, if, of all people in the world, we ought to welcome questions. Right? Sometimes we get a little awkward when someone asks us a question, and sometimes they'll ask us difficult questions. I want to tell you that sometimes the, all, all, all it takes is for us to give just the, the plain truth of what's happened to us. Just, just the, our, our experience of getting saved, our experience of the Christian life, and, and then drawing it back to the Word of God. And, you know, as much as grace produces something that, that is observable, it's also an opportunity for us to give an answer to those who have a question. And you get around others enough, you're going to find that others have a question. You know, Ruth didn't take the credit. She, she understood that there was one who gave her grace. And, you, you know, I think about those that, that uh, so often that uh, as I've sat with and, and sat around and, and before even ministry was concerned. How just as you live the Christian life, there will be those who will ask you questions. And it's just an opportunity. One particular one, I, as a high school student, and I'll be the first to, to admit I wasn't the best Christian as a teenager. Yeah, sure, I went to church. Yeah, sure, my dad and uh, was a deacon and my parents served and we were all very involved in the church. And sure, they understood that every Sunday I was a no-go. I wasn't going to go anywhere. I was going to church. They understood all of that. I'll tell you that the life I lived, it wasn't, I'll admit it to you, it wasn't the best example of Christians. And I remember one season, it was after I got called to preach. I just got my life right. And I started actually living the Christian life. I started to, you know, I started to just change. I started not to go out with my friends like that I used to. I stopped listening to some of the music that they were listening to and they knew, hey, something's different about this guy. I started just reading my Bible during homeroom and we would sit there and everyone else would read whatever they were reading. But I just started to take that opportunity to just 
read my Bible. And just, I was interested. I, I started to really grow. And one particular guy who, you know, he was just sort of, uh, just a friend. He wasn't close at all. But I remember he finally sat down with me. He goes, what are you reading? Why is it so thick? You know? <laughs> and he just, there's so many words. How do you understand that? And it was just a great opportunity. And eventually, if you ask me, it was only one guy I ever led to the Lord during high school. And it was that guy. And today, he still goes to church. He's still part, he's now, he's married, he's got two kids, and they still go to a church. But I remember that, and I think about just the, the difference it makes when we live the Christian life. The difference we, it makes when we just take in all of grace, and, and live, and, and beat out all of that God has given us, and, and you know, we've received so much, and, and yet, we're so sometimes hesitant to answer those questions, but you know what grace does? Grace abundant is also grace that witnesses. And it's got to be abundant. You know, it's abundant in that it, it saved us from the uttermost. And what grace produces doesn't just stop at that the initial recipient. It flows into the lives of those around us. And, and I wonder how many of you got saved because someone else you knew first got saved. And I shared my story a little bit with my grandmother I wonder if you could trace back a little bit of the reasons, the, the overflow in your life. Some of you kids here, you're second generation Christians, and, and the whole reason why you're saved is because someone else in your family lineage got saved first. And they were able to bring you to church, were able to bring you to places where you could hear the gospel. And, and you ought to not take that for granted. You ought to praise God for that. But what grace abundant does is it witnesses. It, it just... Of, it, it evidences for us firstly that, that something is different. And in verse 20, notice, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Notice that Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, There's just evidence in you of the favor. There's just something that grace has produced. It, it provoked her. To, to think about the, the goodness of God, even. And you know, that's what we're supposed to do, right? When we gather together, we're supp supposed to provoke one another into love and to good works. We're meant to come around, and, and I wonder if we've testified. Last week, we had some testimonies on Sunday night of what God is doing. You know, there's great, great power in just, just living the Christian life and then speaking about it. <laughs> You know, why, do we, why do we hide it under a bushel? Why do we go about and we don't want to provoke anyone to, to think and to, to, to observe God's grace in our lives and somehow it's some sort of thing to hide away? Listen, Naomi, when she observed Ruth, it, it just was evident. It was evident that God's goodness was upon her. It was evident that, that this was something that she had to ask about, something that she had to know about, something that made her different, something that she gleaned, and now it's evident that there's such abundance. I wonder if that's you. But in the end, you know, it's got to be lived. Because grace lived by, lastly, can be a grace that convinces. Because remember at the beginning of our story, Naomi wasn't where she needed to be. Right? She came home and she said, call me no longer Naomi, call me what? Mara, for the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. She was bitter. 
She was in a negative space. She was in a place where she just was in doubt. But you know what? The grace that was in Naomi's life, sorry, the grace that was in Ruth's life, it eventually convinced Naomi. Because here's what happened. Notice there, Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, and Naomi said unto her, the man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. So she affirmed, you know, this, he can help. And Ruth, the Moabiter said, he said unto me also, thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Again, all of the resources are yours. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, notice this, it is good, my daughter. You know, she came from this skepticism and this hurt situation to a place where she said, it is good. You know, you ever watch someone turn around in their lives? You ever watch someone who had gone through a bit of downturn in their Christian life and suddenly they're coming back? You ever watch that and, and you imagine the joy in, in Ruth's life as, as, as Naomi affirms some things that she probably at to this point would, would never have thought Naomi will ever get back to. And what I'm saying is you don't know the kind of impact your life of grace, when you live it, can have in another. It convinces. And it convinced Naomi to the point where she was confessing some things. It's good. Man, it's good. And, and I, I, love, I love it when those who maybe have journeyed away from the Lord, they come back and suddenly they're saying things that you could have only in your dreams would have ever heard them say. It is good, she said. She confessed that all of that, that, that Ruth had, had gone through. It, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with these maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. You know what this was? It was a, it was a bit of a conversion. She had turned around. You know that they meet... She's saying, you know, it used to be she was the discourager. Now she's become the encourager. It used to be that she was the critic. She became the champion of the cause. And it used to be that she was the contrarian. She became maybe the committed one. The, the passive permitter became the active motivator. And the work of grace created a persuasion in Naomi also. And, and I think about just the, the, the impact of grace maybe in your life. How it witnesses and it convinces someone else. And I hope that you all, all of us here, find that fruit in our lives too. Because there's nothing like seeing God work in another. Why? Because you're just stuck with it. You know, I think about so many young people who just they, just, they just stick with it. And, you know, they grew up in the church and, and maybe their families fall away. And they just stick with it. They just keep coming. They keep taking the grace of God in their lives. They, they keep taking in all of God's gleanings upon them and, and their lives change and their lives grow and it, it evidences to others the work of grace in their lives and, and they just keep plugging away and unseen to them and unknown to them, God's working and God's highlighting and God's showing and God's lifting up and God's exalting and God's working in others' lives. Why? Because grace was just evident in their life. And suddenly, those things that you had only ever dreamed of, even you know, in, your, in your greatest of hopes in prayer, maybe possibly could never have thought it could happen. 
And suddenly they're sitting next to you. And suddenly they're the ones rejoicing. And suddenly they're the ones lifting up the name of Christ. And suddenly they're the ones saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. And you know, at the end of it, what Ruth did was she just continued to be committed. You know, in verse 23, so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. You know what? She just kept going. And here's my admonition to you this morning. You know, God's grace is sufficient, isn't it? But God's grace is not just sufficient for you. God's grace is meant to overflow and give that overflow into the lives of those around you. And parents, maybe you're just, you're, just, you're just busy every day and you're raising those children and it just doesn't seem like there's an impact in the lives of those children. They just seem to just be getting away from you. Hey, listen, don't, don't, don't change course. Keep going. Hey, those of you, you're, you're looking at, you just want to be a help to maybe that, that, that spouse that's backslidden Maybe someone that you, you love that you just want to see saved. And hey, listen, the, the only way you're going to see that, ever see that, is just by sticking by the stuff. Just, just by being, by, by immersing yourself in the grace of God and gleaning and, 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 and taking all in that God has given you. And what you're going to find is there's grace enough for you, but there's grace abounding for others too. And God is that kind of God. His grace is sufficient. And his grace will suffice, but his grace reserved for those that you love and you, you are around, because grace abounds. And, and grace, it is an amazing grace. It is an unending grace, and God has grace enough for you, but God has grace enough for those around you. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Father, I pray that you would just help each and every one of us just to remain committed Lord, just to the daily graces that you give us, Lord, just so abundantly. And Father, it is true that, Lord, we're just saved by grace through faith. And Father, even the beginnings of our journey was just by your grace. And yet, Lord, it's just in our continuing journey, Lord, it's that grace that changes us each day. It's that grace that, that adds to us. It's that grace that increases, Lord, that becomes the evidence to those around us that you are God, that you are the one that can change our circumstance, but certainly, Lord, change our character, change even, Lord, who we are from being that old sinner, sinner Lord, to that new creature in Christ. I pray that you please help each and every one of us, dear God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're just going to have a time of invitation, and then we're going to have our, our baptism those of you who are getting baptized, you can get ready. and We're just going to have a time. Maybe there's, there's just a need this morning to just recognize again just the grace of God in your life and just perhaps confess that you haven't taken all in. Yes, you're saved. Yes, there's, there's, you see God's grace. But you just need, need to immerse yourself in more of God's grace, the grace that transforms and changes, the grace that profits the grace that, that works abundantly and overflows. And maybe you just need to commit those that you're hoping for God to, to work in their hearts. And firstly, you commit yourself to just keep going.
commit yourself to just keep pressing on and commit yourself to the grace of God and then ask God to work as that overflows into the lives of others. And as the as piano plays, uh, I would ask, come and, and pray and seek the Lord this morning. Maybe those of you who aren't saved, there's never been a time where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you that there's grace enough for you as well. Actually, God's seeking you out. And God, in His mercy, He came in to seek and to save that which was lost. And today, today could be the day of salvation. And please don't leave this place without knowing. Maybe you're listening online. Please reach out. And, and we'd love to show you from the Word of God how it is that you can be saved. But as a piano plays, why don't we do business with the Lord? Let's, let's allow God to work in our hearts this morning.